Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Hi there, everyone. My name is Lynn, and I'm your host for Every Person Everywhere, stuff that you can relate to. So last time I talked a bit about the Vatican City and the impressive feats that had happened throughout time, throughout history there. Now let's move on to Florence. So after making that drive through the countryside, we were in Florence, Italy. And this is where we got to experience cultural hub. This is where we went to our first, like, true Italian mezze dinner. We had lots of aperitivos and digestifs. Of course, they were all alcohol-free because it was a school trip and because we were being chaperoned at all points in time by the school districts and we were representing our country, we were not allowed to enjoy alcohol, which was very interesting. And the restaurant staff were very accommodating with like sparkling grape juice and mocktails. But it was interesting because it's very common for Italians to enjoy a glass of wine with at least dinner, if not two or three meals a day in general, from a very, very young age. In fact, it's completely acceptable to have a beer with your friends in public or walk around with a wine bottle and take sips off of it occasionally. As long as you're not disturbing the peace, nobody really cares. And their police system is very well integrated into knowing what does and does not look like disruption of peace. In fact, any time we ever saw the polizzi would usually be when they were on their way to bust an illegal street vendor, usually with stolen goods. So, you know, that's a thing that happens. Steal some stuff and sell some stuff. So in Florence, this is where we got our first real taste of culture in Italy. It was 108 degrees out the entire day we were there. Very, very sweltering hot. The only respite we got was going shopping, buying water, having meals. When we performed that evening, we were under a little canopy, so it wasn't as hot as it could have been, but it was still pretty unbearable. Now, we had toured around the city and got the tour via bus throughout the city. At this point, we had debarked, the departed from the bus, and we started wandering around the city for about two hours. We had two hours of free time to just explore. And so I went to the market square where there is a statue of a boar. And it said that if you kiss the boar before you have an upcoming massive assignment or test, it will bring you good luck until that test and your grading process is over. I knew about this boar because my uncle, the one who had spent time in Florence studying, told me all about it. He told me all the things that I should be checking out in Florence, in the Market Square mostly, and also in the Plaza Distrito itself. So I did. I had some more gelato. I had some coffee. Even though I wasn't the biggest fan of coffee, I still had some coffee because it's the Italian thing to do is have an espresso. Espresso doppio, I think is what I had actually. Um, Or enough of gozzo. So some sort of cream or ice cream with my espresso. It was very nice. We got to see some lovely fountains, some lovely architecture, all things my uncle had suggested that I go and see. When I close my eyes, which I won't do right now because, if you remember correctly, I do this while I'm driving, this podcast, and I don't want to crash, I can vividly remember looking up at the rows upon rows of stacked buildings that have been there for centuries 
honestly probably some of the first skyscrapers to exist when it comes down to it. I got to go see buildings that the Count of Monte Cristo had visited. I got to see buildings that Michelangelo had lived in. I got to see the house that Leonardo da Vinci lived in. They were very unassuming small houses and tucked away alleyways. And it was a very quiet part of town, almost eerily quiet. But I realized later that's because when it's the hottest during the midday, that's when they have their siesta. They take two hours to just go home, watch television, be with their family and loved ones, maybe have a snack, maybe have some sort of espresso or maybe have some type of wine or aperitif just to unwind and enjoy the afternoon. And so then we walked into the other part of the market square, wandered lost, and it was very hot. And I started talking to people around there. And this one man had a very decidedly American accent. Turns out he was from Hartford, Connecticut. And he was some sort of rehabilitation specialist, I think. Um, Maybe just a technician, really. And he was tired of the hustle and bustle of being in Hartford, Connecticut. So he packed up all his bags and moved to Italy, which was really the first true inspiration I had to do the same kind of thing when I moved over to England for school for two years. And I would have stayed there too if it weren't for the uh, dastardly kids and their silly dog. I mean, this isn't Scooby-Doo. If it weren't for Visa, I probably would have stayed in England the entire time. I would have never came back to the States, in all honesty. And that's just how the cookie crumbles. But I digress. That's another story for another time. Actually, many, many stories for another time. And so, I got to talking to him, and we just learned about each other's lives and how he made it happen and how he's, you know, learned Italian, integrated. Everybody at the streets knew him. All the vendors in the local area knew him and respected him. He was very tan. He dressed and acted like an Italian. He was just from Connecticut. Then there was another street vendor who was in the chair next to me as the man had offered his chair to let me sit down because he could see that I was not used to the heat. Very, very nice, gentle soul. And that's where I stayed and talked until it was time for me to go. He let me buy a necklace off of him, which I gave to my my mother as he was just street vending two or three days a week to make ends meet and meet people and make connections. And then him and the guy next to him, who was also, I believe, from North Carolina, something like that and he had the same kind of background they made music whenever they could together and they just enjoyed each other's company and that's all there really was to it and so Florence very quaint very big not near as exciting at that point in my life as Rome because it's it's Rome all roads would lead to Rome and whether we were at the petrol station or the Alto Grill or we were at the highways we would realize that all roads lead to Rome But it was in Florence that I discovered something else. And on the way to Florence, I discovered something else. I have seen a lot of good drivers. I have seen a lot of bad drivers. But at this point in time, I had never seen Italian drivers. You see, Italians usually see the speed limit sign as a suggestion rather than a hard, fast guideline. And the police see it that way as well. They'll ask you how fast you were going. You'll say a number, and they'll say, were you having fun? Okay, good. Carry on. Don't kill anyone, including yourself. 
please. That's that's messy. That's paperwork. And Europeans have a very lax policy around documentation and paperwork in general, which I definitely miss. Life was definitely more relaxed, and it shows when you look at World Happiness Index. Europe outclasses America and other quote unquote happy countries more times than not. In World Freedom Index, Europe usually surpasses America. Imagine that. The land of the free, not tariff free after all, but we'll get into that another time as well. So Italian drivers, when you get to a toll booth, there is no straight lines. The lines do not hold the Italians. They do not box them in. They're a rough guideline. There were cars all over the road honking and beeping to move, mush, and merge. That was fun. I remember I was in my tour group, and there was this massive soccer mom van that drove through the center of our tour group because in Florence and in Italy, the road was for cars and pedestrians, and everyone traded it the same. So... They slowed down enough for us to just get out of the way, and she smiled at us and kept driving. In Florence, I was standing listening to some stories about the architecture there. And this moped driver, massive, massive, like, 80s mustache, comes with his sunglasses and his scraggly grayish, blackish hair, wearing his little helmet thinger, and uh, drives takes a left turn right around me looks at me smiles offers a high five i high five him and he keeps driving like nothing just happened so needless to say europeans drive with intention in certain parts of europe a lot of them drive very small cars or mopeds because it's easier on gas when you're stopped at a stoplight mopeds can thread the middle between cars legally this is a thing especially in france but definitely in italy as well But especially in Italy, people would just park their cars wherever they found the spot. There was no such thing as a no parking zone. If you were to have parked in a no parking zone that's temporary or whatever, they would usually just leave the car unlocked and you would just switch their car on and put it in neutral and move their car for them. Do what you had to, move it back. There really was no big deal with that like people left their keys in their cars people still leave their doors unlocked in florence it baffled me it boggled my mind to see such a laconic and idyllic way of living and that was my first impression of europe and boy was it ever a good one it was really when we got to laveno which is a little commune along the north where there's a bunch of lakes that's when it all set in. That's when esprit de corps set in. That's when the European way of life really started to show itself to me. And I was in love. And I knew that I would be back way after I was done this trip. And so we went to Laveno. Played another concert. Spain and Italy. Arch nemeses when it comes to football, or as Americans call it, soccer. They were playing that night. Italians were very drunk, loud, and rowdy. And that was also the night where I was walking the beach when I heard one of my friends say that whereas the kids were out playing and having fun and getting tips just because that's what adults in Italy do to support the youth and working culture and street performance, which was cool, that's when I found that Italy had lost the World Cup. 
And I thought there'd be riots. I thought there'd be anger. We were all about to run back to our hotel on this little man-made island. And instead, we just saw people, like, sobbing, downtrodden, melancholic, arm-in-arm, walking out of the bar together. It's like if you took a toddler's toy away and said he wasn't getting it back until tomorrow. Imagine that look on their face, but without the crying. And that's how, like, maybe maybe a better analogy. Maybe you tell them that they're not going to be able to get their favorite toy today because a part of it broke and daddy's fixing it in the workshop. And they go, oh, okay. That's what it was like. Lavena was beautiful because our hotel was on a lake. And just as Italians are passionate about all good things, they are very passionate about fireworks. So it was their national day of independence celebration. And it was this day where they made a very massive display of fireworks and it was beautiful there wasn't much to do in this commune but it gave us a taste of what Italy really is like and what being there really is like and needless to say I hope to go back one day it was beautiful there wasn't a single thing that there was to not enjoy about being there well besides stumbling through conversations and broken Spanglish and uh, broken Italian-glish, so Italian and Spanish mixture. But everything was just beautiful there. I don't really know how else to describe it. The words escape me now. It has been almost a decade since I went. But all I can say is if you ever get the chance to go live in a little commune in northern Italy for a day or two and hang out with the townspeople, and get the real authentic European experience. That is what I recommend to anyone. It's all fine and dandy to go to the big cities like Paris, Vienna, London, Munich, Berlin, Prague, that kind of stuff. But when you go to a small, small village or a small, small town in Europe, that's when you really get to see how the people function and live and work together. And it didn't feel like people in households. It felt like villagers that just happened to live in separate bedrooms. And it was very magical. And so, that brings me to the question of the day. Community. And what does it mean? What does community mean to you? In your perfect world, how integrated is your community? What's a time where you felt the closest to your peers? to your family, to those that live around you. And what does it feel like when you think about that now, looking back on it? I look forward to hearing about your exceptional stories and your results and the things that you've gone through, talking about that long lost familial setting, because it's all about comfort. It's all about hygge. And when I get to talking about my travels throughout Scandinavia, I'll talk more about Lagom and Hygge, and I'll talk more about Radjost. I'll talk more about all of these terms and more that have something to do with just being ideal and cozy and together. I hope this is food for thought. And until next time, where I talk about my voyage to Switzerland, I add my beautiful silence.